In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward. Hello, everyone. This is John Lim with Moving Forward, and today my guest is Stacy Rose Harris. Stacy is an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Demuro Ginsburg based out of Alexandria, Virginia, where she practices everything from commercial and civil litigation to employment law to criminal law and white-collar defense. Stacy's practice also extends to copyright, consumer protection, and arbitration matters. Stacy has published articles on business fraud for the Virginia CLE and on legal ethics for the Virginia Bar Association. Among her many honors, Stacy has won the E. Randolph Williams Award for Outstanding Pro Bono Service and was named a rising star by the Virginia Super Lawyers Magazine. Stacy is also fluent in Spanish and was a star softball player in college. She is a proud wife, mother of two beautiful children, and has taken time out of her busy schedule to join us today. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, John, for that more than generous introduction. Well, Stacy, I've only scratched the surface. You have an amazing career and an amazing journey behind that career. So one of the things I like to do is I like to ask our guests, do you want to fill in a little more of the professional, but also the life resume and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, sure. Um, I'd love to. I grew up in Springfield, Virginia, a Washington, D.C. suburb. Um, and went to high school in the area. I went to Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology, which is a magnet school that is so competitive now, I probably wouldn't be able to get in if I applied. But that school certainly shaped the rest of my life, I think. It was extremely challenging. I had hours and hours of homework every night. My classes were um, really top-level, top-level teachers, and uh, I learned how to work hard at a young age, and I think that was the first experience that really shaped me greatly going forward and set me up to be able to handle college and law school. Oh, that's wonderful. I I graduated from TJ in 95 and uh, went to college at Furman University in South Carolina. It's a small liberal arts school. I played softball there for three years and and graduated early. I studied economics and Spanish and enjoyed the liberal arts education as well. Um, Moved on to, I spent one year at Longwood University playing my last year of softball eligibility before I uh, spent a year at the Department of Justice as a paralegal and then went on to law school at the University of Virginia uh, in 2000 and graduated in 2003. And when I graduated, or actually when I went into law school, I thought I wanted to be a criminal prosecutor, but during the course of my time there, uh, that changed. I, I did a couple of internships and didn't enjoy that side of practicing law as much as I thought I would. And discovered more of a passion for civil litigation and ended up going into to civil litigation out of law school, working first for the law firm of Ross, Dixon & Bell, and um, spent two years there. And then I went on to practice civil litigation at Hunton & Williams. And then at, in 2008, ended up here at Demiro Ginsburg, where I've been 
very happy and applying all of the the lessons and um, law that I learned, the skills, legal skills that I learned in my first two uh, law jobs at Ross Dixon and Hunton and Williams and sort of putting everything I learned to use here now for the past six years where I've enjoyed a really nice variety of practice and a lot of autonomy and control over my cases and uh, I've been here ever since. So that's sort of, I guess that's more of my professional resume. Um, personally, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed playing fast pitch softball from the age of nine and I played competitively until just a few years ago. Um, I played in high school, summer, junior Olympic, travel, softball, and played Division One at Furman, uh, Division Two at Longwood. And when I went to UVA, I continued playing on the University of Virginia club team, even though I was a law student. And even after I came back to the D.C. area for to begin my law career, I continued playing women's fast pitch in the summer on uh, women's teams that were usually geared towards keeping college-age players in shape, but that didn't keep me away, and I played up until the age of about 32 or so, 33. So that's been one of certainly one of my life's passions. In 2009, I married uh, my wonderful husband, Dan, and in 2011, we had our first child and a beautiful daughter, and now we also are lucky enough to have a beautiful son who was born a year and a half ago. So we have a three and a half and a one and a half year old. And now between my husband, daughter, son, and, and my law career and my friends, I'm pretty busy these days and happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Stacy, you've had a wonderful, wonderful journey. And I love how you just called back to your formative years in high school and how that was so much of an influence and really set the ground for you for the rest of your professional career. Just the just having instilled in you the work ethic and just striving very hard towards finding your passion. Well, Stacy, you shared a little bit about two passions. And um, this next question, really, I just want to expand a little bit more on that. You talked about how at first you wanted to go into criminal litigation, but you discovered along the way that you had more of a passion for civil litigation. And you also talked about your, your passion for fast pitch softball. Can you tell us a little bit about how you discovered your passions in life? Huh, well, I'll take that one at a time. So from the law side of it, from... The criminal prosecution standpoint, my experience, and I'm sure this is not the experience of, of the people who end up being criminal prosecutors, um, my experience was just by doing it, by taking these internships and actually getting to have the hands-on work that I would get to be doing as a prosecutor, I just found it a little too rote in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there are many people who might say that that was my fault or that I, I wasn't looking in the right places or perhaps I, there was something I, maybe I was too inexperienced to fully appreciate it, but just wasn't very satisfying. And maybe, maybe the part of it is that you're dealing with criminals all day. And certainly you're dealing with victims and witnesses as well. But my limited, very limited exposure to the field made me realize, eh, I don't really think this is what I want to do. 
in my first year of law school, as every first year law student has, I had torts class. And I ended up being much more interested in the topic than I expected to be. For non-lawyers out there, uh, civil tort is not a dessert. It is... <laughs> yeah, thank you for clarifying that for our non-attorney <laughs> listeners out there. A tort is considered any type of wrongdoing for which you can sue someone civilly. Um, whether that's a personal injury or uh, defamation, or civil conspiracy, or harm to your business that for which the law provides a remedy. It's essentially any type of action that you can bring against another person or entity that's, that's not criminal, or that's not a, a domestic relations matter. So it covers a wide swath of things, but my professor, the legendary uh, Professor O'Connell, at UVA Law School was, made the subject so compelling that I became genuinely interested in, in civil work more so than criminal work. And that interest has uh, stayed with me. Um, my, in my summer, in the summer, as you know, John, most law students ob obtain internships, uh, which I did uh, for my first year at Ross Dixon and Bell. And I continued, I did another internship with a civil litigation firm after my second year, and my third year went on to practice civil litigation. So it was really by doing, by doing these things that I discovered whether I did or did not have a passion for them. Well, I think that's great, Stacey. I mean, a couple of takeaways from your story is that you started out on one path, and along the way, it sounds like you had, uh, you really just kind of immersed yourself. You explored. I think internships is a great way to do that, to find out what you really truly are interested in pursuing as a career. And it sounds like you also had uh, the role of professors who have influenced you. And we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, influences in your life. But uh, it sounds like you were able to kind of shift your trajectory and really find something that you were very passionate about. Yes, I think by doing rather than by reading about something was was what was able to make an impression with me and help me figure out what the best what my best path was i love that just the lesson of doing rather than just reading i think that's critically important so thank you so much for sharing that my pleasure hey stacy we're going to dig a little deeper now and reflecting back on your career or your life is there a time that you failed or faced what seemed like an insurmountable challenge, but that failure or challenge ended up being a valuable learning experience or part of your road to success? Yes, I, I, one experience does come to mind immediately. Um, this was before law school. Um, it was when I was at Furman, and it's actually in the sports context, but Sports and specifically competitive fast pitch softball have shaped, certainly shaped my life. Um, my junior year at Furman on the softball team was not a successful year for me athletically. It was a very difficult year. I, I was a pitcher, as you know, and I struggled on the mound. Uh, my record was terrible. My ERA was not good. Uh, the, uh, I'm sure the lack of the team's success was not wholly on my shoulders, but 
it was not an inspiring year. And looking ahead to my senior year, I saw that I was probably going to be in for a lot of bench time because the coach had brought in some talented freshmen. Um, as it was my junior year, I didn't play that much, and, and the opportunities I had, I didn't do that well. So I wasn't happy with the way things were shaping up. Um, when you play a college sport, you spend a lot of time practicing and playing and traveling and doing any number of things related to being on that team. And I wasn't willing to spend the immense amount of time that would be required of me in my senior year when I saw the writing on the wall that some of these more talented incoming players would, would be getting the playing time and I would probably be riding the bench. Mm. So as my junior year was coming to a close, I thought, you know, what else can I do? I have a year of eligibility left. I would hate to waste it. I love softball, but I don't see my time being spent here as being um, a positive experience. You know, on the other hand, I love Furman as a school and as an academic experience, and I was doing very well academically. I had almost a 4.0 average while I was double majoring, and I, I enjoyed the professors the small classes and the opportunity for intellectual exploration, which the small classes really afforded. So um, I did what I consider to be the first legal maneuver of my life, and this was before I was a lawyer, but I opened up the NCAA bylaws and tried to look for a way that I could play my last year of eligibility at another school without having to what's traditionally called red shirt, which means sit out a year. Because I wasn't willing to push back my education by an entire year to transfer to another school and have to sit out and then get to play my senior year. And I discovered at the time, I think it was bylaw 14.1.7.1. I love that you have it memorized. I still remember it. I didn't look it up before this conversation. That's, that's awesome. I would expect no less from <laughs> And that bylaw provided that if a collegiate athlete goes to another school to, to continue studies as a graduate student and has graduated from his or her undergraduate institution, they do not have to sit out a year. In other words, the NCAA won't penalize you for having completed school ahead of time. So for the first time, I realized that there may be value in my AP credits uh, from the AP exams that I had taken in high school. And I went to the registrar's office and looked at my transcript, and I discovered that I had, I think, approximately 12 or 16 AP credits, if you, according to how my AP exam results would translate over to credits at Furman. And I was only 16 credits away from graduating in the fall if I wanted to. Furman usually has students take 12 credits in the fall, I think eight in the winter and then 12 in the spring. So I had to get special permission to overload by one class so that I was taking 16 credits my fall semester and that I would officially complete my coursework in the fall semester. I got that permission, and I took four classes in the fall. I took, took my 16 credits in the fall, overloaded, 
Uh, and, and that's what I had set out to do you know, through the summer and the fall. And during that same time frame, I decided to look for a school that needed a pitcher. Uh, you know, I was looking for a collegiate softball team that could use a pitcher for one year. And it's a pretty unusual request. Most colleges are looking to groom someone for four years. Most people don't, most coaches don't expect to get a senior. But I thought, well, let's look somewhere a little closer to home because Furman is in South Carolina. And I thought, well, it would be nice to be closer so that my mom and dad, who were faithful supporters, so that they could come to more of my games. And I found Longwood College, which is now Longwood University, which just happened to have unexpectedly lost a pitcher the year before. And I drove to Farmville, Virginia, which is about 60 miles southwest of Richmond. And I met the coach, Kathy Riley. And I explained to her why I wanted to come play somewhere else. She was brutally honest uh, with her with her questions to me, um, brutally candid in asking me why I thought I hadn't been successful the year before, um, asked me questions about what my motivations are to play softball and my strengths and weaknesses and questions that I don't think any coach had ever asked me before. Mm. And she then she came up to Northern Virginia and actually gave me a tryout. And one thing led to another, and she invited me to join the team for that year. So my next task was to get into the school, which just happened to not have any graduate programs for which I really had prerequisites for mm-hmm. at Furman. Um, there was a graduate program in English, and all I, the only English I did at Furman was the basic English 10 class. So I applied and was rejected from Longwood's graduate program in English. The next program I tried was the college counseling class, and luckily I got in. So I enrolled as a graduate student in community and college counseling at Longwood. Wow. After I completed my fall at Furman, and I I went over to Longwood in January of 1999. And I was there for one semester. The The graduate program actually had classes only at night. So I took night classes, and during the day, I did extra batting practice and pitching practice, worked with Coach Riley. I worked, we had 5 a.m. practices in the winter. We had evening practices, two-a-days, and I had one of the most challenging experiences of my life. I practiced harder and played harder than I ever have. Um, it was because of the ways in which Coach Riley pushed us and taught us and drove us to be the best possible players and people that we could be. And I think our record that year ended up being something like 38 and 15. And I had a good year on the mound, probably the most exciting year of my softball career in my life. Uh, we played all around the country. We played schools that finished nationally ranked the year before. Um, just had an incredible, incredible experience that I never would have had if I hadn't had a bad junior year at Furman. 
Well, Stacy, I love this story. I did not know this about you. I am my jaws sort of on the ground. I'm in. I'm speechless. That ties in so many different facets. I love the fact, first of all, that. Uh, it sounds like you had that spark of inspiration, maybe even before then, but that really that that pivotal moment where where you kind of foreshadowed your legal career by looking up that bylaw. Mm-hmm. And that really opened the door for you to explore other ways. Like you didn't let this challenge or what would be quote unquote considered a failure hold you back from really, really pursuing your passion. And that led you, I love the out of the box thinking, that step by step, one challenge after another, you were able to look at that challenge, find a solution that may not have been a conventional one. And out of that, you not only found your success, but it sounds like you found a great mentor in Coach Riley. That is just an amazing story. And I, I really, really thank you for sharing that. I did. Coach Riley and I are friends to this day. And um, she is absolutely one of the one of the people who one well, of few people who have influenced my life um, so so greatly. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that she that there have only been a few people, but she's at the top, top one of the top most influential people in my life because of um, the way that she coached and taught and. Certainly, I had experienced hard work up to that point, and we talked about my high school, the challenges of my high school, but um, on a physical level, I had never worked as physically hard as I did when I was practicing with Coach Riley. I remember waking up at 5 a.m. and running hundreds of wind sprints in the gym. Mm. Um, I remember one day... She said, don't bring your glove to practice. And I thought, well, this might be an easy day. (laughs) (laughs) We spent the the entire practice diving into bases. Oh, my goodness. And I still remember how sore my ribs were for days after. But sure enough, the next game we had, the diving was automatic. And I dove into home, avoided a tag, and scored the winning run. I love it. I love that. And it's because of her and the way she pushed us to the physical edge that that I learned about another type of hard work. That's awesome. Well, Stacey, it sounds like that's something that you have really carried forward with you throughout your entire life. And it sounds like the influences from that experience really, really serve you in, in your day-to-day, just no matter uh, oh, what Oh, yeah. J- John, childbirth was nothing compared to one of Coach Riley's practices. <laughs> you heard it here, folks, first, folks. <laughs> oh, Stacey, that's great. Well, listen, uh, speaking of influences, uh, the next question I have for you is a two-part question. So first of all, has there been a movie, book, song, or play that has been greatly influential in your life? I was thinking about this um, earlier in the day, and... The first thing that came to mind was A League of Their Own, mm. which, as most people know, is a movie about the women who, who played baseball in the all-girls professional baseball league during the war, uh, World War II, I think. And uh, my favorite quote from the movie is actually carved into a paperweight, and it's sitting on my desk here at work. It was a gift from my sister because she knows how much this movie and this quote mean to me. It, the quote uh, came up in the movie when Tom Hanks is trying to convince Gina Davis, who, who was a star of the league and left the league, 
trying to convince her to come back and play because she's the team's star catcher and they're going to the World Series. And she says, it just got too hard. And he says, it's supposed to be hard. It's the hard that makes it great. Wow. And I have that on my desk as a reminder that if something's hard, that's that's what makes it great. And for those days when when writing a brief seems too difficult or preparing for an oral argument seems too difficult, that that's where the reward comes from as well. That's a great quote, Stacey. I love that. And that's something we'll, we'll repost on our website. So that wonderful, wonderful share with us. Thank you. Secondly, and you may have already answered this, but I'm going to go ahead and ask, um, t- tell us about a person that you've connected with that has left a lasting impression. I know you talked a lot about Coach Riley, and it seems like she was a big uh, influence in your life. But is there anyone else that you'd like to talk about who also was a lasting impression in your life and your career path? Um, well, certainly my parents, um, who I, I guess you, you wouldn't say that I connected with them because they have been with me all along. Um, they my connected parents, with you from the day you were born. From, from the day I was born, um, encouraging me and treating me with, you know, all the love and kindness and encouragement in the world. And I think if you feel love, you can do anything. So I would have to say them and and my sister, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, on a professional level, I think I had, I have had a Coach Riley equivalent in my law career. And uh, that would be uh, one of the partners that I worked with during the the three years that I was at Hunton and Williams in, in the second law firm, the firm I was with before I ended here at Demiro Ginsburg, uh, Stephen Sayers is a partner there and was sort of my uh, boot camp uh, colonel there at Hunton and Williams. And just like playing under Coach Riley was tough but rewarding, I would say the same thing of Steve Sayers. And I learned a lot about being a real lawyer by working with him, making mistakes under him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes with the territory if, the, if you're entering the legal profession. It does. It does. And I would say that he, he showed me ways to think creatively within the law that just because you have a statute that says what it says doesn't mean that there aren't certain ways to to get to the result you want or to argue for the result that you want. He showed me how to use the rules of procedure in Virginia courts uh, somewhat creatively to get an edge on your opponent. And many of these lessons that I learned from him, I carry forward with me and use in my practice almost every day. Well, I think that's that's a great takeaway, and that's also really illustrative too. You know, a lot of people tend to think as as the law, the legal profession, is not being very creative. But in fact, um, it sounds like this was a great mentor who showed you: yes, you can inject creativity, you can inject out of the box thinking, and in terms of deriving a result or finding a solution. And very similar to your story about Coach Riley, and and also thinking about how you transitioned from Furman to, to playing for Longwood. So I, I, see, I see a lot of the parallels there, Stacy. Yeah, I, I think there are. I think there are parallels. 
Hey, Moving Forward listeners. If you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Clichés Adult Coloring Book or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write-up for any of the episodes at bemovingforward.com. Well, Stacy, what advice do you have for anyone who might be listening to this who is struggling to find their passion in life? Well, you know, there's the sort of cliche uh, that you hear, do what you would do if you had all the money in the world and just pursue that passion. I think that's unrealistic because most of us don't have all the money in the world. And so we have to think about realistically, what can we do to make every day fulfilling, but still earn a living? And so I, I like to say, think about what you would do if you had all the money in the world. And think about what strengths that what professional and character strengths that those dreams utilize. And is there a practical way that you can put those skills to work for you. Um, I've always had a passion for acting as, you know, just, just a hobby, but I've always loved it. I, I did some acting in high school. I never took it beyond that. I didn't have time to do it in college. But between my passion for acting and my passion for something competitive, like my athletic pursuits, I have found that law is a good fit for me because the courtroom allows me to satisfy that little taste for drama and presentation. And I like going to court because there's a winner and a loser. Like there isn't a softball <laughs> well, and it's also, it's really, when you think about the design of a courtroom, it really is the quintessential stage when you think about it. It's a stage and it's also a softball field because you may not have an umpire, but you have a judge. That's right. And you have rules and uh, time limits, opponents, adversaries. So I've been able to, within a sort, somewhat practical bounds, um, satisfy some of my passions through this career because there are things about it that have aspects of other things that I love to do. And I'm sure there are those moments where you feel like you're diving into second base without a glove. So... <laughs> <laughs> there are many of those moments. <laughs> well, Stacey, I think that's a fantastic answer. I love that you have taken sort of a lofty notion that we hear so much about, which is, you know, what would you do if you had all the money in the world? But you've really sort of honed that in to sort of a practical approach at looking at your life and thinking about, really critically thinking about what are the things, what are the qualities from from that sort of lofty goal or that lofty dream that you could really translate into a practical channel for your passion. I love that. And it's really, I think, very both illustrative and very instructive. Thank you, John. Well, Stacy, you've done so many amazing things. And it sounds like you are really just enjoying the experiences, living your day as passionately as possible. What is next for you? I don't know other than... I think that's know, a great answer, by the way. <laughs> I, you know, God willing, watching my children grow up, uh, enjoying my marriage and my career, spending time with my friends, um, wherever the rest takes me, it's just gravy. Um, I love my career, but it's 
certainly second priority to my family. So, I, I mean, I love practicing. I love where I am now. Um, I made partner about a year ago, and I'm enjoying that. I enjoy my cases. I love being with my kids and my husband, my sister, my good friends. Um, if if good health for all of those people is what has what the next five years have in store, then that would be enough for me because I'm sort of happy today. I love it. I love that you're open to what tomorrow brings and that you're just so present in today and enjoying all of the wonderful gifts and blessings in your life. That's really, really powerful, Stacey. I'm trying to be present. It's a real challenge in this digital age. I know it is. (laughs) Well, Stacey, I have no doubt that you have touched people who are listening to this and probably inspired quite a few. Oh, I hope so. I, I think you have. And I love the stories that you've shared today, especially I did not know that about you and, and your fast pitch uh, softball days. I never I, told you. No, I don't think you ever did. <laughs> I, I think this is the first time I'm hearing it. I think it's a great story. And I have no doubt other people will as well. What is the best way that our listeners can make a connection with you? Well, um, they can you know, feel free to contact me through my work account, which they can find through www.demiro.com. And we'll be posting that on our website as well. And, uh, I, well, actually, I am also a, uh amateur photographer, and I have... Are you really? A, you, I'm, I'm learning things about you all the time, Stacy. <laughs> I guess it's, a, it's something I've taken up within the past year or so, but I do family portraits in my local neighborhood That's and in great. the Alexandria area. And they can find my photography website if they search for Sweet Pea Portraits by Stacy on Facebook. Wait a minute. Wait. You've got to repeat that name again. <laughs> Sweet Pea Portraits by Stacy. Sweet Pea Portraits by Stacy. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I'm going to say it again. Sweet Pea Portraits by Stacy. I'm going Correct. To, we're going to post that on our website as well. I think that's fantastic. Congratulations, Stacy. This is really, really wonderful. And thank Thanks, you. John. Thank you so much for taking time out of you. I know you've got such a busy schedule, but really, really, I appreciate it. And I know our listeners do too. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me, John. Oh, anytime. I hope we can have you back soon. I would love to. Folks, this has been Moving Forward. This is what the show is all about, discovering the extraordinary. And you have just heard Stacey Rose Harris's extraordinary story today. This has been Moving Forward. I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you. Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.